middle of a, a series about discipleship, and if you've been following along with us, you know that at the beginning of the year, a pastor always brings a mandate, kind of our focus for the year, and, and part of this mandate this year was turning believers into fully devoted disciples. And so we're in the middle of a series right now called The Price of Discipleship, The Price of Being a Disciple. And if you were here for the last couple of weeks, I know you were impacted, but I want to just give you a couple of the points that lead up to where we're going today. And we started with this question uh, just a few weeks ago, and this is the question that I would ask you to ask yourself for the next few weeks, and that is, where am I at in my relationship with God? It's probably a question that we need to ask ourselves every day of the week, every week of the year, and every year of our life that we never get stuck, or that we never get stagnant, or we never get comfortable. The truth is, is we're all on a journey. Say journey. We're on a journey with God. Some of us are just beginning this. Some of us are finishing it. But we all find ourselves in a place where God wants us to grow. And we talked about believers being people who probably just do the church thing every now and then, as long as something else doesn't come up. But a believer is someone who's passionately devoted to Jesus Christ. I like the way that pastor gave this to us. He said, a disciple is a person who is so overwhelmed by the truths and reality of God that everything in their life revolves around Jesus. I don't know where you find yourself, whether you find yourself, hey, I just, I just knew to this. I want to just encourage you that by the end of this series, that there should be some passion attached to this walk of faith for you. This life of faith is, is not a, a mundane faith. This, this Christian life should not be boring. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't supposed to be boring. This, this is a life of adventure. Me and my wife have decided for us as a family, life is either going to be a great daring adventure or nothing at all. We're all in. Like this is, this is what we do. We eat, sleep, and breathe. Lord, where do you want us? What are you doing? And we're always trying to pursue him in whatever season we find ourselves. And I give you that challenge. Pastor Jonathan uh, so eloquently talked to us in week one about the importance of passionately following Jesus. There should be some passion about your life. This shouldn't be a requirement, something I have to do. Man, this is something we get to do. This isn't somebody we have to follow. We should be stoked that we have the opportunity to follow him and to exude his love to those around us. In week two, I talked about the extraordinary love that's required to love people. And we specifically talked about people that are hard to love. Because there's going to be some people we're required to love. It's going to take some extraordinary love. You ever heard somebody say, you're acting a little extra right now? Somebody over here, you've said that to somebody. Oh, you're acting kind of extra. We say that to our kids sometimes. They're acting extra right now. They need some extra special love. And here's the thing. As disciples, we've been given an extraordinary love that allows us to see past race, past the loss, the hurting, God's given us the ability through the Holy Spirit to love everybody, including you. Some of us are those hard people that we've been talking about. I was one of those hard people to love. God's given us a supernatural love. And then last week, and Pastor Tom brought a great word about having the heart of a servant. That's a price of discipleship. To follow Jesus, it means we lay down our agenda, we take up the towel, and we begin to wash the feet. We serve those that God's placed us in their life. That has to be a part of 
discipleship. I'm just being real with you. You can't skip that part. You can't be a fully devoted follower of Christ and say, you know what? I want to skip the dirty part. I don't really want to serve. I want to be served. No, no, no. That's not what the example we learned last week that Jesus with his own people said, hold on a second. Let me show you what I'm asking you to do. And he got down on his knees and he scrubbed their dirty feet. And in a moment's time, they were saying, what'd you do that for? And he said, to be an example, to be an example of this is how I want you to live your life. Today, I want to talk about the price of discipleship. And it is this, number four, a disciple is sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. To be a disciple, this is not your will and your plan. This is a life that is submitted and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart, the most important message to an unbeliever is the message of Jesus. Would you agree? Man, if you're lost and, and, and you don't know him, the most important message you need to hear is that Jesus loves you, he paid a price for you, man, and he set you up for success. I believe that with all my heart, but I believe the most important message to a believer is the message of the Holy Spirit. Nobody shout now. Listen, the Holy Spirit's gotten a bad rap in church because we had some people acting weird for a few years and then we, they said, oh, it was the Holy Ghost. It's like, no, that wasn't the Holy Ghost. You're the weird one. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is nothing weird at all. He's a perfect gentleman. In fact, where there's craziness, he brings peace. Where there's confusion, he brings comfort. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He is your helper. And I want you to know if you're a believer looking for discipleship and moving towards the destiny on your life, the Holy Spirit is required. You can't do it on your own. I like what my friend Paul Floyd says. He says that the Holy Spirit is the secret sauce to the Christian life. You don't like sauce? Listen, I love sauce. We're from the South. Some of my friends from Louisiana are here. Philip and Leanne, welcome. We're so pumped you're here. Would you make some noise for my friends? We're stoked you guys are here with us today. But there's something about us Southerners. We like sauce. We like sauce. We, listen, a chicken wing is, it's not a chicken wing until it's got some sauce. Can you just say it with me? Say sauce. No, you got to say it like this. Say sauce. Listen, a, a chicken tender, just a chicken tender until you get some Chick-fil-A sauce. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all love the Chick-fil-A, the Christian chicken, right? I, we're obsessed with it. And I'm that weird guy in the drive-thru. When we go through and they're like, would you like any sauce with your nuggets? I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. I'll take some Chick-fil-A sauce. I want some of that barbecue sauce. Can you put a couple Polynesian in there? Oh, don't forget the Chick-fil-A sauce. And I'm in the car trying to eat all four. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I got to have a little bit of this one and a little bit of this one. Listen, sauce is created to spice things up and to give your food some kick. I like ribs, barbecue. Anybody Southern barbecue? Man, listen, this brisket is it's good brisket, but it's till you put some sweet and tangy barbecue sauce on it that that junk comes to life. I'm a pulled pork guy, by the way. And when you make a pulled pork sandwich, you put the coleslaw on the top. But then you got to put some sauce on that thing, and then it turns into a manwich. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hungry now? This is the same way the Holy Spirit is with us. He takes your ordinary meat, and he puts some sauce on it. All of a sudden, man, God can do something supernatural through your life. The Holy Ghost is the secret sauce to us moving from just believing to demonstrating the life that Jesus called us to live. And we find that. In Acts 10, 37, 
Jesus believed it so much, he received the Holy Spirit. It says, you know what's happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, you know, after John baptized and preached. Well, then God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he then went about doing good, healing all who under the power of the devil because God was with him. Listen, if it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. Some of us are flipping through the book saying, I don't really care for that part. I don't need that tongue-talking thing. I don't plan on casting any devils out. I just want to go about my life. That's not the life that Jesus has called us to. He's called us to make a difference. And he led by example for 33 years. He studied and trained. And then he demonstrated through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what it's going to take. And when we read the Gospels, we find an account of three years of miracles, signs, and wonders that followed him. How did he do it? He had the Holy Spirit in his life. In Acts chapter 1, we find that it wasn't just enough for Jesus, but he commanded his disciples to wait. John chapter, Acts chapter 1, listen to this. In verse 4, it says, on one occasion, he was eating with his friends and he gave them this command. He didn't say a suggestion. This wasn't like, hey, guys, let me give you a tip, okay? Hey, let me give you a little suggestion here. Do what you want. It says that he gave them a command. Now, I don't know about you, but when I command my kids to do something and I'm serious about it, I say it with some gusto. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that the Father promised for which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was saying the Holy Spirit is a gift that you're going to need to receive to walk in and fulfill the destiny and calling that God has on your life, not as a believer, but as a disciple. I'll just say it to you from South Alabama way. You're going to need some Holy Ghost sauce to do what he's called you to do, Amen. to move from believer to demonstrator, it's going to require an inward working of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a few minutes. What is, what's so special about the Holy Ghost? Why do we need him to move from believer to radical Christ follower? Number one, it's because he reveals the nature and wonder of God. He's the great revealer is what the Bible says. He reveals things to us that our human minds cannot understand or comprehend. When you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, you read the Bible through a different lens now. Things that made no sense, all of a sudden they make sense and they're energizing you. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, we of course, we have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get on your feet and on a firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be actually out of date in a year or so. See, God's wisdom, it's something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before you ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what his eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. 
Listen, this is why we have the scripture that says, no one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. For what God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because of God by his spirit, and he's brought it all out into the open before you. When I received Jesus, I had limited knowledge of what Christ really did for me. I could read it on a book and, and my mind would process it. But when I received the Holy Spirit, I received great revelation and my spirit tuned in to the word. It made all kinds of sense, even though my mind couldn't understand it. Your mind without the Holy Spirit is based on your limited knowledge and your comprehension. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Listen, I'm not the smartest tool in this yet. I need him to understand what these 66 books say about him and what they say about me. He is the great revealer. Our natural mind, it doesn't understand grace. See, we insist in our mind of earning God's love and somehow we can earn his acceptance. But through the Holy Spirit, guess what? You can get a revelation of grace. And when revelation of grace says, man, there's nothing I could do to earn this or buy this or get this, and yet I still get to walk in it. The Holy Spirit, we, we bypass our mind and we can understand the truth of God's word. And know that we need more of him, not less of him. Our natural mind to say, you don't need that Christian thing, that, that crutch. But your spirit would say, oh, yes, I do. I need some help. I've been doing this my way, and I've got these results. But with the Holy Spirit, guess what? I can see my path is paved with success and prosperity. What is that? That's revelation by the spirit. The natural mind doesn't understand God's power. Our normal mind says, we can do this on our own. I'm all sufficient. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. But the Holy Spirit, the great revealer, will show us things that you can't understand without him. In 2016, I was in my basement in our house over in North Andover, and I was playing with my antiques in the basement. Any guys like to go tinker in the basement? They're like, my wife's watching. Don't raise your hand. I see. Thank you. Thank you, brave soul. I like to tinker, and I was down there, and I was just tinkering with my stuff, and I was actually praying in the Spirit, and I was talking to the Lord about some frustrations in my life, like, I'm not where I think I should be. You ever had that conversation? Lord, I should be further ahead than I am. I should have more money than I have in my bank account. My relationships should be stronger than they are. And I was just kind of venting to the Lord about my frustration naturally with where I saw myself in his plan. And in a moment, I heard this statement. He said, Josh, you're still trying to hustle. You're still trying to hustle and you're trying to do it in your own effort. But I want to tell you, and this is what he said to me. He said, favor is the new hustle. You've heard me preach this if you've been here very long. He told me, he said, favor is the new hustle. There's a favor on your life that doesn't require all the extra. It just requires you tapping into me and allowing the Holy Spirit to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people, doing the right thing. And when you do that, the favor will be on you and I'll get all the glory. What was that? What was that that happened in my basement? That was the Holy Spirit giving me revelation knowledge of Psalm 512 that says, I'm surrounded by a shield of God's favor. Coming in, going out, left and right, his favor is overwhelming me. I can tell you this, for the last five years, it's changed my perspective on what God wants to do in my life. 
There's nothing special about Josh Roberts other than the fact that I'm dialed into the Holy Ghost saying, this makes no sense about this favor stuff, but if you want me to have it, show it to me. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the great revealer. The second reason we need the Holy Spirit to move from believer to disciple is the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. He is the voice of God. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, they'll put it on the screen. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before me. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. And it says, after the wind came an earthquake But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came the still, small voice. The Holy Spirit is the voice of God. Now, Elijah in this time had to hear the voice of God outside. We now, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we've been given this gift that we can invite the Holy Spirit to be in us the guide inside. And his voice is in us if we're listening to him. Let me ask you a question. Let's just do a little survey. Would you say that you've ever heard the enemy talk to you? Oh, amen. Yeah, I've heard him. Yeah, we've all heard the enemy talk. How does he talk to us? He talks to us through deceptive words. He talks to us through temptation, right? You ever been tempted to do something like, I mean, you should do that. You should do that, but you know it's not right. Something in here is saying, don't do it. But there's this voice saying, you're going to really like it. It's going to be awesome. Everybody else is doing it. That's the voice of the enemy through the guise of temptation. How about this one? This is the one he tries to use with me. He tries to speak to me through the guise of accusation. Remember what you did? I, was with, I remember what you did last night. The accuser of the brethren is what they call him. He reminds us of our past, our pain, our hurt, our insignificance, the things that nobody else knows. And we hear that voice and then we think, man, that's just me. No, that's the voice of the enemy trying to detour you, ensnare you and entrap you and keep you from God's plan. We all agree that we've heard that voice at times, right? Well, what about the voice of God? Normally, when I talk to a group of people, this is the number one question that I get is, Pastor, I I love what you preach, but how do I know when God's speaking to me? He speaks the same way the enemy does, with a still, small voice, except it brings encouragement. It brings power. It brings delight. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings clarity and understanding. The enemy's voice sounds like this. You're no good loser. Nobody likes you. And then the voice of the Father sounds like you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My hand is on you. You're going to be a success. The enemy says, I remember what you did and so do you. And the Lord says, man, I forgot all of it. It's under the blood. You are redeemed, sanctified, and set up for a great future. The enemy says, but you know where you came from. We know you remember where you've been. And the Lord says it the opposite. Hey, forget about where you've been. Let me show you where you're going. I'm going to tell you something. This is a big indicator of whether you've moved from believer to disciple. Do you have voice recognition in your life? When the Lord starts speaking, are you looking for the clouds to break, a lightning bolt of fire? 
Or you're looking on the inside saying, you know what? Forget all that outside stuff. If I could just get quiet long enough, I know he's going to speak to me. We need the Holy Spirit for direction in our life. Listen, I believe one of the most important differences between a believer and a disciple is how a person hears God's voice and learns to follow his voice as he directs their life. I want to tell you this. He's always talking. Maybe you're at your home and you say, man, I don't think I've ever heard God's voice like you're talking about inside. I want to just remind you and encourage you. He's always talking, but we've got to be sensitive and submitted to hear his voice. 2000, I was living in Oaxaca, Mexico, in a cool little town called Puerto Escondido. It's the longboarding capital of the world for surfing, and I was serving at a missions base there. I just finished two years of Bible school, and this was kind of the first assignment. I was there teaching in the Bible school about four hours every morning, Monday through Friday for the whole month. In the afternoon, I got to go surfing and hang out. That was a blast. And then at night, in the evenings, they would put me in this old Jeep or old truck, and we would drive up the mountains, way out in Oaxaca Mountains, to preach to the Mesteco Indians. And I remember I was in the back of that truck, and it's, man, it's rough. It's going way up, and I'm holding on. And I heard the voice of the Lord said, when this season's over, I want you to go back to Tulsa. And I was thinking, that's just the devil. I just left Tulsa. I just spent two years there Bible school. I'm in Mexico. I said, what do you want me to do there? And he said, I want you to go to mission school. I said, that doesn't make any sense. I'm on the mission field right now. Some things that God tells you don't make any sense up here, but we got to follow them here. And I, I, I just remember thinking, well, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't even fight it. I landed in New Orleans, Louisiana a few weeks later, had a few weeks off, and then my brother and my best friend Dustin came home from India where they were living. And I picked up Dustin and Joey from the New Orleans airport and we're driving back to Mobile. And I said, man, I'm getting ready to move to Tulsa. And Dustin said, what do you mean you moved to Tulsa? I said, well, the Lord spoke to me while I was in Mexico. I was supposed to go back to Tulsa. He said, that's crazy. The Lord said the same thing to me. I was supposed to go back to Tulsa. I said, well, I'm not crazy then. You want to go together? He said, give me two weeks. Let me go sell my house and quit my job. And we'll go to Tulsa together. So he flew to Mobile and we loaded up my truck and we're driving to Tulsa. And he leans over and he said, no, why? no remind me, why are we going to Tulsa? <laughs> I said, I, 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 I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I just felt like that's what the Lord told me. That's what he told you, right? He said, yeah. And we got, it was a 12-hour drive. We got about to Memphis, Tennessee, six hours in. And I'm looking over at him saying, now, now remind me why we're going to Tulsa again? And he said, tell me, you said the Lord told you to go to Tulsa. And we got to Tulsa and we settled in that first week. We were sitting on the front row of this church. And the pastor began to speak and he said, this is a time of positioning and connections. And I elbowed Dustin because it was like bottle rockets went off on the inside. He said, that's why we're here. We're here to be positioned and connections. You know what? It was just a few weeks later that I was going to meet my wife. Right there in that church in Tulsa. And that church became a hub for ministry for me for the next few years. And the connections that brought me to IFC 21 years later started in the back of a truck with an inward witness and inward leading. Get to Tulsa. Your assignment will be told you there. I want you to know right now that if you're stuck in a season or you're in a place where you don't know what to do, get quiet enough and you'll find that still small voice speaking to you. And it may not make any sense up here, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the power of God speaking to you. He is the voice of God. I want to just stop here for a moment because the Holy Spirit 
is the inward voice. Although he can use men and women to confirm things, it always should bear witness with what you have in here. I asked the pastor one time, well, I don't know, what, I, what should I do in this next season? And he said, what do you want to do, Josh? And I said, well, I want to do this, this, and this. And he said, man, that sounds like the Lord to me. Go and do it. And you know what? As I followed that inward witness, I found that peace that I was looking for. I want to tell you something today. The Holy Spirit, the voice of God, what he's speaking to you should not freak you out. It should empower you and encourage you to take a step of faith. Number three, the Holy Spirit helps us move from a believer to a disciple because he is the power of God. He is the power of God. See, a believer gets to experience the power of God. As a believer, you experienced it. You experienced it uh, when, you, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've experienced it at different times. But when you go from being a believer in an experience to a disciple who gets to demonstrate Listen, I've been whitewater rafting a, a bunch of times. I love whitewater rafting. It's, it's exhilarating. It's a rush. And, and, and I, I, I've been on class four, class five rivers. I've been on some of the hardest rivers in North America and in Central America. I know nothing about whitewater rafting, but there was a guy that did. He knew about it. And I got in his boat and I got to experience this ride with him leading me. I was a believer. Oh, I believe in this is awesome. But there is a whole nother level to get in the boat and you leading people to an experience. That's got to be a rush. And that's exactly what God's called us to do. To move from believer who experiences things and has these experiences to someone who gets to explain and communicate and demonstrate the power of God through our life. I have this bucket list and I hope you have a bucket list too of things I want to do. And me and pastor, we talk about this. We're dreamers. And we have this list on our bucket list and it says uh, uh, experiences we want to have. And a few years ago, I got to cross off an experience I wanted to have. I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. Man, what an experience. It's powerful. I got to be a part of it. I want to tell you this. God wants to move you beyond experience to the one who demonstrates the experience for others. To use our lives as a conduit for the power of God to be moved through us. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus was a miracle worker. These 12 crazy guys are with him. They were miracle workers. It's because they had the secret sauce of the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8 says it this way in the Living Bible, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the word, world about my death and my resurrection. Holy Ghost power is this word right there, that word power means dunamis. It's the word in the English translation that we use for dynamite. Listen, this dunamis means ability, efficiency, and might. My translation is this. It means power through God's ability. So let's read it back just for a second. But when you receive the Holy Spirit and he's come upon you, you will receive power through God's ability. Not in your own power, not in your own strength, but in God's ability. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, my message and, and my words, man, I tried to keep them pretty plain. 
rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Every time I get up to speak, Pastor Verna texts me early in the morning. Whether I'm here or whether I'm somewhere else, she always texts me. You're going to do great today. It's not by might, not by strength. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I always respond and say, I'll receive that. You know, I think it's a weighty thing to get up and deliver God's word. I think it's a weighty thing to communicate the gospel. And every time I get up to preach, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give me the words that I would preach the power of God through his ability, not mine. Almost every time I get up, somebody texts me and says, man, you spoke to me today. Man, how'd you know I was going through that situation? How did you know such and such? And I say, man, listen, I'm just a guy from Alabama that's submitted and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and I'm partnering with his power and his ability, and you just received it. That's the life of a disciple. Our lives should be speaking each and every day. Where we go, we should be having encounters where people say, man, how'd you know what was going on? And you could just say, honestly, I don't know what's going on, but I'm sensitive to know that God wants to extend his power to you. Yesterday, a guy showed up at my house to sell me a lawn treatment, and an hour and a half later, he's having to walk away because he's almost in tears. I don't know what he's going through. He shared a little bit. All I know is, Lord, if you want to use me as an extension of your power of love and grace and kindness and mercy to this young man, I'll, I'll get up off the couch. I was sleeping. I'll get up. I'll be sensitive. I didn't want to. I got up. My hair was like crazy. I mean, I looked in the mirror after he left. I thought, oh, man, he must think I've lost my mind. But you know what? When we live a life submitted and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself stepping into situations that you don't belong in, the power of God flowing through you. As disciples, the Holy Ghost is our power inside of us. Our lives are not meant to just experience it. We're meant to reflect the power and the ability and the efficiency of God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you two questions, and I started with these, and I'd like to end here. Well, just take a moment here. Where are you in your relationship with God? We're week four into a 10-week series. You don't need to wait till week 10 to make a decision that you want to move from believer to disciple. Today's your day. This is your moment to say, I need that power. I need that voice. I need the guide inside. Let me ask you this. Do you long for more in your life? Is there, is there a greater purpose than just going to church? Is there a greater purpose than just reading the Bible and experiencing God for yourself? Or do you have a desire and a tug in your spirit to say, man, that's me. I want to be used. I want to do, de demonstrate. I want to be like Jesus. And my answer to you is, man, he, he wants to be that secret sauce in your life. He wants to be the great revealer, the inward witness. And he wants to work his power through you. When I read the scripture in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus commanded them with your heads bowed. Just think, just think about this for a moment. If that was a command back then, how much more of a command is it today? How dare we overlook the power 
of the Holy Spirit in our life and expect God to do something through us on our own. I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to give you a moment right here to accept the Holy Spirit into your life. It's a free gift. Jason will come in a moment. He'll talk about salvation. Call him if you're here. We want to pray with you. We've got a great team that's going to introduce you to Jesus today. But I felt like my role and responsibility with this sermon today was to say, hey, can I extend this gift to you and will you receive it? It's a gift from God the Father through Jesus to us. If you're here today and you say, man, I need that. I want that. My heart is drawn towards that. I won't embarrass you, but would you put your hand up? I want to pray for you today. Say, Pastor, I need that Holy Ghost. Yes, sir, I see you. I need that secret sauce. I need that anointing. Yes, sir, I see you over there. I see you. Yes, sir. You say, man, I need the voice of God. Yes, I see you, young lady. I'm tired of living a boring life. I don't want to just experience. I want others to experience what he's doing in me. Maybe you're online. Let us know in the chat. Put your hand up. Give us a wave. We want to pray with you. Anybody else, you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I need some boldness in my life. I need to step out of my comfort zone and pursue my calling. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Greatest message to a believer is you've got the goods waiting for you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and give you everything we talked about. If you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, would you just say this with me? Say, Father God, today I recognize I need the Holy Spirit. I need this great revealer. I need this voice in my life. I desire your direction so that I can live on purpose. Give me the power beyond my ability to do what you destined for me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. And the same spirit in the same environment, I'd like to continue to invite you to close your eyes. And maybe you heard about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you heard this message. But maybe the first step for you is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There this, uh, when the creation happened, there was Adam and Eve. And we were disconnected from the Father because of sin. And throughout time and throughout the Bible, we hear how God is continually trying to reconcile his people unto him. And the only way that he can do it is to send his son, Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and me. So he sends this man who is Jesus, who is part of God, his own son, and he comes and he lives among us like a man, but he does miracles, signs, and wonders, and he dies on the cross in a sign of forgiving of our sins so we can be redeemed through his blood and be connected to the Father and be part of this eternal family, the family of God, and that's for you. And that is for me, that is an eternal hope that we have before one day for us to live with him. You are deserving of his love. You are deserving of his love. He has called you. He has called you for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. No matter what the world has told you, no matter what people have told you, no matter what your parents or negative thoughts have told you, I want to tell you and we want to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you and you are worthy of his love. And for as a first step today, if that is you, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or perhaps you 
been away a little bit from the faith and a little bit from him and you want to come back home, I want to invite you just to simply to lift up your hands and say, I want Jesus. I want to accept him into my heart. If you're watching online or even in our cafe, just simply lift up your hands. I wanted to leave you, lead you in this prayer as a family. So if that's you, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart today, just say here, amen, I see you. You are deserving of his love and he loves you so much. Amen. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to redeem me of my sins, to wipe all my sins away, So today, I denounce my past and thank you for making me a new creature in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.